Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. So everyone's having a Rush Nation. We're back for the second part of the Mad Mock Draft. And I thought, you know, I thought it was only right that I brought back the returning guest, the only man to successfully climb Snowden by doing a handstand alone. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. I had to jump on the bandwagon. Ash, welcome back for part two of this mental mock. How you doing, bud? I'm doing very good. Very glad to be back and uh, finishing off the second half of this mock. I really enjoyed the last one. So, yeah, looking forward to it again. Yeah, it's good. We got some good feedback as well from from people in the group. So it wasn't wasted. It wasn't wasted. I, mean, no. I, I don't know how long Tom spends coming up with his intros for the COD pod. Oh. For the uh, college pod, sorry, but yeah, it's uh, it's hard to do on the fly. So I imagine he spends a fair chunk of his week coming up with the introductions. Well, just to give you a bit of insight, he messaged me before this week's podcast saying, give me five minutes, mate, I need to come up with an intro. <laughs> so <laughs> he takes it very seriously. It's a oh, proper sport for Tom, isn't I that, know, man? I know. So we covered the first half of the draft uh, on Monday on Bank Holiday Monday, so that dropped in your ears, Bank Holiday Monday, 16 picks gone, 16 to go, as per usual when we do a podcast, we got talking, we planned to do it all in one go, luckily for you Rush Nation, we're going to do it in two parts, Ash and I are going to go from 17 to 32, expect some surprises along the way, 
and I'm going to start. Actually, I'm going to start at 17. The Raiders select, had the wrong sheet up. The Raiders select <laughs> Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, this is going terribly rush nation. You can tell it's near the end of the week. So the Raiders needed to bolster the defense and they did so by adding Owusu Koromoa. That is a incredibly tongue-twisting name ash i don't know how you guys do it so well on the college pod he's um he's not the biggest boot dude but after mika parsons slid down the board he's the best linebacker in this class after parsons he doesn't have the weight to match his height but he can add that going into the nfl we know what strength programs are like at the next level so he's got the frame he just needs to add the bulk to do it he's got huge huge explosiveness and it goes from sideline to sideline really 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 quickly which we really like to see from our linebackers i mean he's dropped into db occasionally playing as a slot receiver uh slot corner against the slot receiver sorry and he has played man coverage so ash i don't know if you've got anything else to add to this but for the raiders this is a great pick at 17 yeah i think to begin with they probably felt a little bit hard done by in this one that uh Parsons went so close, obviously the pick before for those that, that remember. But yeah, I mean, Uisu Karamoa is a, is a great pickup here. Like you say, he's not the biggest guy, but what he lacks in his size, he, he makes up for in, like you say, his explosiveness and just his all-round plays. He's everything you want from this this type of linebacker. And I think his lack of size will also benefit him. And like you say, when he drops into that coverage, you can do that very effectively. Uh, and he's just a really exciting player and he's still quite raw, um, but I mean, I think outside of what's the guy's name? He was at Chicago. Um, Kurowski, I think, is their current middle linebacker. Possibly. The, <laughs> yeah. Um, but outside of that, I don't believe they've really got anybody. So I think he'll be a massive, massive benefit for them. And I, I like what I've seen from him. And he's only going to grow. Obviously, it's a. He's one of those guys. A lot of the, a lot's happened. A lot has happened with a lot of guys this year. That's just sort of his twenty twenty was unbelievable and has mm. obviously shot him up. But yeah, he's got he's got great potential, and I, I'm looking forward to to seeing obviously where he lands in the Raiders because we're going to be spot on. This is going to be a spot on mock draft. Yeah, exactly, we you nailed do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I like... Go on. No, no, you carry on. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the thing I like most about Owusu Koromoa is the fact that he is so explosive and he's smaller. Like His slightness enables him to be able to get through the line of scrimmage to the quarterback. So he can get sacks, but he can also act as a run stopper in the middle of the park or drop into coverage and make tackles or break up passes. So he's as an IDP option, he's absolutely perfect because he covers all aspects of the game from what you want from your linebackers. Yeah, hundred percent. This is this is the sort of guy that you, you you will want to target because I also think, again, wherever he lands, whether that be the Raiders or, or whoever, he should see game time straight away. And, and like you say, I think he he offers all of that all round play at the linebacker position that he will be a great IDB pickup. And to be fair, with him being a rookie as well, if it's a if it's a new startup, um, you, you will probably get him quite cheap. Absolutely. So on to 18 and the Dolphins. And like the Dolphins' first pick at six, where they surprised everyone and went offensive tackle, the Dolphins are surprising again. Yeah, so this time they have gone over to the defensive side of the ball and picked up Aziz Ujulari, edge from Georgia. Now this, uh, we mentioned about Ousu Karamoa having a great 2020 um, Azizu Jalari had an even better one that, that has done wonders for him because he probably he wasn't being spoken about a great deal um, before the start of the year. And 2020 has just made, has seen his draft stock skyrocket to a point as where he is almost a lock-in uh, in the first round now. And in 
conversation with the top edges and very similar to a lot of these edges he has got unbelievable upside while still being relatively raw I think he's more well-rounded um, in in a certain extent to the likes of Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau. Um, but he is still raw um, after him, this this last year being probably his his, his breakout year. Um, and again, he is on the smaller side um, when it comes to an edge rusher. But what he does possess is that burst off the initial snap. He's got ridiculous speed for an edge. Um, and he's also got very good hands as well. He's not the most powerful, but what he does well is he uses his hands to free himself up and, and, and his speed and and acceleration around the the edge to 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 beat those linemen uh which i think he'll he'll definitely bring into the uh into the nfl um i think he he will again will prove an instant impact for the dolphins um and i mean their their defensive line is actually looking pretty good now you've got obviously um last year's I think, was it last year, the year before, Wilkins? Uh, you've got Ogba, who's there as well. And then, obviously, Ojolari coming in. Um, it's going to give those those AFC teams, and um, uh, I mean, it's going to give them a battle to keep their quarterbacks mm. upright. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the one thing, um, much, again, like uh, Owusu Karamoa, is if you can add that bit of weight on uh, on his overall frame in the off-season in particular – He's going to do in wonders, get a bit more power power um, alongside him. And he's another guy, despite being an edge that can drop back and, and help in the, the coverage and the, and the run play in particular, the run defense. So yeah, great, great pick up there. And again, um, a lot of, a lot of potential with the Jolari. It's interesting listening to the college pods, you and Tom, and then a few others. It's, it's really obvious to me this year that the college game is becoming a much more utility-based game where players are now playing one position but then playing that second position in a secondary way much more than it used to happen. So like edges can drop back into linebacker coverage and you get linebackers that play almost as edge rushers but still classed as linebacker but then can drop back as well. You get tackles that play guard, tackle. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Kyle Pitts, a tight end, wide receiver, whatever you want to call him, but he can do both. He isn't just a tight end predominantly now. It's becoming much more of a sort of a dual position, move players around the field. And I guess as a, as a coordinator, that's absolutely perfect because it gives you so many more options yeah definitely you just get that added flexibility and and you see it becoming more and more of a pattern in the nfl because of what people are doing in college they have that versatility and you see it in this year's in particular in the first round how many guys have we spoken about on the people speaking about that have multiple positions um across the offensive line at the edge linebacker safety that there's guys that can do a number of different um, positions and they offer that versatility and and it yeah it gives it gives all these coaches an added uh, bonus to the to the pick yeah so that transitions us nicely to 19 where Washington the football team select Elijah Vera Tucker from USC now Ash you've got him down here as an offensive tackle or an inside offensive line is he going to play guard I will read you what I've got for him and then you can either correct or add to my prediction so 
I've got down here that Elijah Vera Tucker is, in some people's eyes, possibly the best tackle in this class. And the fact that he played his final season at left tackle means his value was so much higher coming into this draft because everyone, everyone knows you've got your blindside blocker set up. Your quarterback is much more happy sat in the pocket, not worrying about getting annihilated from the back. So, And this is perfect for Washington because after Trent Williams you know that huge debacle that went on they get rid of that blue chip prospect and then they add a larger Vera Tucker who can keep Ryan Fitzmagic upright it's going to help Gibson in the run game Fitzmagic being upright means Terry McLaurin's going to see more targets that are thrown his way correctly not not just on a whim hoping that he can adjust them in the air I, I just I just think this is a great fit for them and am I right in saying that Tucker could well play left tackle yeah, I'd say I'd say left tackle is a real possibility, and I think it will probably come down to um, where he lands. Once again, I think if a team have that need at left tackle, Vera Tucker will be able to step in there and 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 give that instant startability. But equally, he can he can um, move into the inside into guard, and I think he'll do equally well there because he is on the sh- the smaller side. Than you usually see from a tackle, but I have no doubts about it that if he was t- to play left tackle, um, he will he will do very well there, especially in the run game. I think he is a better run blocker than he is a pass protector, but I think that will also come with time um, and the, the scheme that he that he will work in. I think pass protection is something that I would like to see him um, improve on, um, and also his size at times meant he was moved around I wouldn't say easily Um, I don't think he ever got easily overpowered but you can see at times on his tape in particular that he was moved back and and into the pocket by a by a a more powerful edge so he's another guy that I think he'd do a great job at left tackle but I would like to see him just improve that overall strength um, for the NFL but I have no doubts um, that he will do the job at left tackle if called upon. Um, I think it will purely depend on who he lands with. Marvellous stuff. Ash, unfortunately, you've got another defensive player. Not unfortunately. Fortunately, I love the defensive players. <laughs> me too. And I love this guy. And it's what me, me and uh, you guys, who uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, the, the college podcast come out today, but we spoke about this guy. And, uh, and at number 20, Chicago Bears have selected Greg Newsom, the second cornerback from Northwestern. And I think it was back in August, September, maybe a bit later. I was speaking about this guy as a sleeper in the draft and he had such a good 2020 with Northwestern. And now he's a first round, I wouldn't say lock-in, but he's he's not far off a first round lock-in. Um, he is the next guy up after the Horn, um, Satan, and of course Farley, depending on how, how the NFL are viewing Farley now, as we, as we mentioned in the last pod. But Newsom is the next guy up and, and I, I, love, I love it. I talk about him a lot in the podcast. And I think Bears have a, a, a gaping hole at cornerback now with obviously Kyle Fuller being released. And mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense if, say, they can't move up or, or if a quarterback doesn't drop to them. It's it's cornerback, sorry, quarterback. It's cornerback or tackle for me is going to be their two picks. And I think here it would be the pick I would make in Newsom. I mean, he is incredibly aggressive. If you watch his tape, he's, he's He's incredibly aggressive in his play, but not to the extent where he overextends himself. He's he reminds me his aggressiveness reminds me of um, the Honey Badger. Um, That's not, fairly aggressive. <laughs> it is fairly aggressive, yeah, and, and and he reminds me of that. But what he also has is um, is how good he is tracking the ball through the air. I mean, in his three years at Northwestern, he um, he 
had over 20 pass deflections. Um, and this is, this is a guy that hasn't finished a full year at, at college. He never, in his three years at Northwestern, he never finished a full season because of injury, which is the big concern for him and the big negative effect that's going to have be, uh, that's going to be presented to, to, to whoever picks him up. Uh, but for me, if he stays fit, if he can prove his fitness, he did leave the title game against Ohio with another injury, which is obviously a concern. But I think he can battle with the best of the wide receivers. Um, and obviously being, if he does land at the Bears, and he, does, he is going to be coming up against some very good uh, wide receivers in that in that division. So, uh, But he, 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 he instantly starts here, um, gives that Bears team another cornerback to 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 obviously replace Fuller. So let's let's play devil's advocate then, Ash, here at 20. If you were the Bears on the clock, you said cornerback and tackle would be the two positions you wanted. Would you be thinking Greg Newsom over Caleb Farley here, even though Greg Newsom and Farley both have injury concerns? I mean, for me, Caleb Farley is the, the cornerback one, and I think he could be slept on by a few teams that perhaps shouldn't. I, you know, my love for him, we, we talked about it last week. I any, any pod that ever brings up a cornerback, and I'm I'm well there with Caleb Farley being the one. Do where would you go? As as obviously we didn't make these picks, so we we can't back up Greg Newsom over over Caleb Farley. So what I'm basically saying is, if you were at twenty picking a cornerback, would you go Newsom or Farley here? I would be. St- I would still be taking Farley because, as you say, if you're discussing the injury concerns for Newsom. You've, you, it's equally so with Farley. I think the the issue with Farley is this is two two procedures on his back in a row, which is the real concerning factor for him now. But there is no doubt about it that he is one of these one of, if not the top cornerback in this draft class. And if you're going to take the risk on Newsom, who's obviously had his own injury concerns, and his has been different injuries as well. He just hasn't been able to stay fit. Um, and obviously Farley didn't miss much game time before he opted out, just despite a big injury. And then obviously now he's injured. Farley for me is the more is the better talent here, and I would still lean him over Newsom. Um, but it is closer than it was. If this second procedure didn't come up for Farley, he would be long gone for me, and he is he is he would be clear above Newsom. But I think that added injury issue for Farley does put it a little bit closer. But I would I would still be leaning Farley if they were both available on the board. Yeah, that's the that's the way I'd go too. I mean. We get back to the offensive side of the ball now and at 21 via the Colts because there was a trade. So the Ravens sent 27 and a 2022 second to the Colts for the 21st overall pick. They moved up to finally get their guy at wide receiver. So with the 21st pick, the Baltimore Ravens select Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Now, I think... I haven't looked at my wide receiver profiles in the book because I did them first because it is my favorite position. I think I've got Rashad Bateman at three. Um, I don't know what to put in. His pro day numbers were pretty concerning, but then were they down for a reason? We don't. We won't know, and it's the pro day, so is it blown up? I'm not massively concerned because we've seen him play at the same size throughout his college career, so... Ash, maybe you've got a little bit more on this, but I mean, <laughs> Sammy Watkins has just turned up in Baltimore, and that's pretty much as much as you'll hear from him if Rashad Bateman goes there because Bateman, he is 
an absolute alpha receiver, in my opinion. I, I think the fact that the, he goes to the Ravens, he will start as the outside guy. They can put Hollywood across the line. Bateman's just going to be there winning jump balls, boxing defenders out. I think for fantasy, he's a wide receiver too, at very worst, because he will start every single game for the Ravens as their one. He's the type of guy that Lamar Jackson needs. We saw Lamar Jackson have an MVP season and he didn't really throw the football. And when he did throw the football, he was much better. He just hasn't had this Bateman character to throw at. And Rashad Bateman, I think he can beat any defender in the league on his day. So I think for me, this is an absolute home run pick. And the, the Ravens did the right thing here in moving up to 21. Yeah, it's definitely the right sort of receiver that that, that, that you want to land at the Ravens. Like I say, with, with Brown there already, you've got that um, that trailblazing deep threat. And, and Bateman offers that shorter area contested catch ability um despite his size like you say i think the the pro day was the pro day overall figures from him were were slightly concerning but obviously you you read into a pro day what you will um i think this year more than any it's more important but most years it's sort of a people have made their minds up and it's just i think at least us as fans and I'd say media analysts, whatever you want to call us, I don't know. But I think we read into pro days more than, than the NFL do. Um, but you, you can see on his tape what he offers. He's dominant. He he displays, like I say, he can he can make those contested catches across the middle of the field, two double, when he's being double teamed. Um, and he's... I, his play style is really similar to that of Jamar Chase. Like he uses extreme mm. physicality, but in a very controlled way to make yes. sure he's in the position for the catch. And he's got great spring as well. I haven't actually seen his pro day spring numbers, like jumps and stuff. But I, from what I've seen on tape when I was doing my research for the book, he plays very similar to the way Jamar Chase does in, in the way he arm fights. He gets his hands over the top, which means he controls the position. He's never pushing away, giving flags, but he's he's always at full extension, not giving that defender the space to get into his area. And then he's fast enough, I think, in when he makes cuts and stuff that he can he gets that little bit of separation. He isn't, you know, he's not a separator by, by per se, but he gets enough separation that he, he'll be able to beat defenders on the outside and, and win those jump balls. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that is on people's mind for him, though, is obviously 2020 wasn't the best year uh, for him. It's not as it's not the year he would have wanted to come out of college on. Um, And I think the other thing as well is he's not I don't want to say he's not quick because he is, um, but he just doesn't seem to be as quick as he can be, if that makes sense. It just seems that he he gets to a speed and sticks to it, whereas I think there might I don't know that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just guessing here, but it just seems to be that there, there is that little bit extra that he can potentially bring out his pocket, but he's so good in that contested catch short ball across the field passes that you don't necessarily want that from him. And if he's going to line up against someone against Marquise Brown, you don't need that from him. No. You want him to be the guy that's going to be the, that Jackson's going to potentially have to get it out to quite quickly. And, and he'll make that difficult pass. And and he, he's very good. He's another one of these wide receivers that's good at, at moving his body to those passes that don't necessarily go where they're supposed to and, and still make that catch. Yep. And who? Oh, we are on the Tennessee Titans at 22. And to be fair, to begin with, this one surprised me. Um, but I do like the pickup. And with the 22nd pick, the Tennessee Titans select Trevor Morig, safety from TCU. 
Mo Rig is by far the best safety in this draft class. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's the only one who's really in any consideration as a first round pick. Um, and for a team that has safety needs, um, they are going to go for him. Um, <clears throat> and in particular, strong safety as well. I think that's that's his best position overall. Um, and I think the Titans do have um, a need there looking, looking at their... Um, current roster, at least. Um, if I think I can't even tell you who their strong safety is. I know they've got Kevin Bar- um, Kevin Bird there, but I think he lines up more in the the free safety role. Uh, but for me, um, I'm gonna say Mo Rig is the is the best is the best safety out there. Um, he's tough, tough as they come. He'll take the big hits. He'll give the big hits. But what he is exceptional at is he's one of those ball hawk defenders. Um, he spots the ball, he gets into a receiver's face, but at the same time, he can also get in front of a receiver and make that play before they can. Um, he's quick. Uh, he doesn't have that deep field speed to catch up with those real speedsters, but what he does instead is he uses his football IQ and he can read the play very well and he'll get and he'll basically get into the right position to take away that deep threat um, and obviously works well if you've got a front seven that can pressure the ball um, but regardless of that he he does very well at actually reading where the quarterback is going what I have seen is at times he can be too focused on the quarterback which then means he loses his man completely um, and then obviously the and, and he'll go for the he'll, he'll pay attention to the ball rather than man and <laughs> get basically a misstep. But there's no doubt about it. He's the best safety and wherever he lands, he will add an instant impact to that defense. And if it is the Titans, um, they are built they, If they get Mo rig as this draft is selling us, I'd actually, I actually like their defense a lot. I think their defense could be sneaky good this year, especially in the, um, DST formats. Obviously, they've added Bud Dupree if he can come back from that ACL. They've got um, Jeffrey Simmons, Evans, Landry, and adding adding um, Mo Riggin as the 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 strong safety as well will just add another element to that defense. So, do you think twenty two is too late for Mo Rig to go? Do you think this is a bit of a steal on the Titans, or do you just think that the best safety in this year's class is is good enough for the twenty second pick? I would say it's good enough. I think this is around the sort of area you, you can expect to see him go because he's the best safety. But this is also, if you look at these teams around this area, this is these are the teams that have got a need for safety. Excluding the Eagles, I think they still have a safety need, but I think 12 is too high for Mo Rig unless they are really content on getting the best safety in the class. But I think they've equally got more pressing needs overall <laughs> like wide receiver which was answered in this draft but i would i wouldn't be surprised to see mo rig go anywhere between 20 to the end of the first round and potentially slip into the second round again depending on how valuable these teams are seeing safety um, because there are some good ones later on but there isn't anyone that's quite to the level as mo rig in this draft class and am i right in thinking that safeties don't tend to be drafted that high anyway is it, it seems to be a position to me that seems to be a late first, second round pick. Yeah, it's not very often that you see a, a high safety go, is it? I couldn't, I couldn't tell you without looking what the highest, what the most recent safety is. I, 
I mean, the Steelers took Edmonds surprisingly at pick 30 four years ago. And that was seen as a, as a reach um, because of, because of what people saw in Edmund's potential, but the Steelers had that need at safety. Um, he was the best safety in the class in a lot of people's opinions and, and took that reach. But it is one of those positions that are overlooked uh, more than any, I would say. I think when you're talking about positions in the first round, safety is one of the f- last you really think of, isn't it? Mm. A, there's not many that come to mind that you would go, yeah, lock in. I'm taking him 100% as, as a first round safety and a high first round safety. I was thinking of last year, we had Patrick Queen go fairly late to the Ravens. And also, oh, when did Jeremy Chin go? Was he a first round prospect last year? Did he go first round or was he uh, I later? I think Jeremy Chin, I think he was a first round, was he not? Let's have a quick look. I'm, but I think... Uh, no, I th- he wasn't. He was a second round. Well, he, he's proven that he was a first round yeah, value yeah, uh, prospect. Yeah. Um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head recently is, is Simmons from two years ago to Arizona. But then... Mm. He's almost, he's like that utility player we talked about at the beginning where he can play linebacker safety. He can even play DB at times. So, Yeah, exactly. I think he, he offers that flexibility, much like Owusu Karamoa. He's talking about as potentially a safety as well, but he's seen first and foremost as a linebacker and offers that safety versatility if you need it. Um, and to be fair, Mo Rig, I, I, I believe he will be able to do a good job if he was to be pushed into linebacker. But but for me, he, he should be a safety and he is the top safety in this draft class. Well, Ash, when I talk about number 23, which is the Jaguars picking via the Jets from that Trevor Lawrence trade, why don't you have a look up the highest safety taken in the last five years and see if something surprises us? So at 23, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I said via the Jets trade earlier in this draft, select defensive tackle from Texas, Samuel Cosme. And what better way than protecting your new asset by taking one of the best tackles in the class? The Jags have now got a tackle to protect Justin Fields. Justin Fields is... We, you talked about it on the podcast on Wednesday, Ash, arguably the second best quarterback, in, and you'd be happy with him at any team in the NFL. I just think that James Robinson benefits from this, Field benefits from this. Everybody benefits from increasing that offensive line when you've got a, a starting quarterback who is a rookie. And I just think that we, Ash and I talked about this off air a little while ago when I sent in my Justin Fields right up. There was my main concern for Fields was that if you pressure him, he can get himself into a bit of bother. So adding an offensive tackle in the draft after taking Justin Fields after trading back and getting so many picks, this was an absolute dream pick for me here. Samuel Cosme at twenty three. Ash. Yes, it's a great pick. Cosme's one of the top tackles left. Um, probably the, the the next guy up uh, available, and, and Jags have a need to protect Fields. I was going to say Lawrence, but it's, it's really not difficult not to <laughs> say know, Lawrence, I isn't know. it? <laughs> I know. Um, quickly on the safety, there's one that we forgot about um, that was a Jet and is now a Seahawk. Oh Jamal yes, Adams. Mr. Adams. Yeah, he sorry, went, Tom. He went he went sixth overall, um, and then you've also got Keanu Neal, Harrison Smith, who also went in the first round, as did Derwin James, but. Few and far between when you think about the other positions. But no, just just going back to Cosme, um, he will give that, I'd say upgrade, but what he'll do is he'll put pressure on Robinson instantly, as you probably just mentioned there. And with Robinson being on that franchise tag, it could potentially be that he sits there 
um, at left tackle with Cosme at right, and then Cosme moves over to the left if they decide not to to re-sign Robinson. But it's, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't. I would be very surprised if the Jags were to have this pick, or even with their actual pick that they currently got at twenty-five, if they took a offensive tackle. Yep. We've got a trade ash at 24. We have got a trade at 24 and I was all expecting to, uh, and that be announced in my Steelers pick, but the Steelers have traded the 24th pick away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the 32nd and 64th overall pick of the 2021 draft. So the Bucks have the Bucks have moved up to twenty four, and with that selection, they took Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. Now, <laughs> yeah, we we mentioned this when we saw it, and it does seem like a bit of an odd move. But the more I looked at it, and the more I, I, I thought about it, I, I do like it because we've got to we've got to remember that yes, Fournette has resigned, but it's a one year deal, and um, Ronald Jones is also expiring in twenty twenty two, so. Those guys will be there this year, but they if they pick up someone like Harris, joins that committee for the year, Harris's talent will will see him push to be the top running back wherever he lands, in my opinion. And I think it will be an easy thing for Jags uh, for the Bucks to then go and and move on Fournette and Jones uh, because, as I say, I think Harris is is a do it all back. He's got the speed, power. You see it on his tape. You see it in his highlights. He can power through a tackler if he wants to and then he can jump over a tackler stop it if he, stop yeah. it stop it with that jump ash he's going to get himself murdered ah we've seen we've seen a lot of them do it they can get away with it when they've got that ability and he's also shown more so this year than he had done in the past is his passing game because i think that was a concern for some that his passing game potentially wasn't up to scratch compared to his rushing game but He's shown that he is very good in the passing game when called upon. And I think a year in a committee like the Bucks, and then, as I say, I think he'll gradually take over more and more as the season goes on before taking over the backfield completely. And then from 2022, he'll be a, a dominant RB1. I think he could potentially be an RB1 even in a committee wherever he lands this year. He has that potential. Yeah, I think the two points you came across just at the end there were the two things I was going to say is first about his passing game. We we haven't seen much of it up until last year, but then we all know that Alabama pumps out running back and top quality running backs at a ridiculous rate. So the likelihood of somebody getting the the sort of handle on that role is is very slim. And when Harris did this year to the majority, he he proved that he can be used in the passing game. And then I just think for fantasy, we, we're seeing it all over again with the J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. I want the top running backs going to a committee and I'm just not a fan of this move for fantasy. But I hear what you're saying. Like A couple of years down the line, this is absolute gold dust. So that was the Buccaneers pick in the middle of a Jacksonville Jaguars sandwich because the Jags still have their pick at 25. And finally, finally, my boy Caleb Farley is off the board, cornerback from Virginia Tech. Now, Ash and I, we talked about this and thought this was a bit of a steal. And in all fairness, because of what the Jags did in the draft, this is an absolute luxury pick here. If I, you know, I've said it, Ash has said it, this is the best cornerback in this class. And the fact that he fell to 25 and got picked by the Jags and a team who already has two of, well, at least one of the best corners in the league and then an up-and-comer first-round talent. The draft pick, CJ Henderson, last year, they just signed Shaq Griffin from the Seahawks. 
Ash told me that the Jags, I was a bit concerned that Farley was going to fade away here, but the Jags use three cornerbacks as one of the highest rates in the league. And when you think that even if they don't and Shaq Griffin and Henderson are on the field, it gives Carl, Caleb Farley that little bit of extra time to sit there, be used sparingly, recover from his injury. And then when they do have these three cornerbacks fully locked and loaded and they're able to rotate them, move them onto a two or three man, you know, th- this is you just will not want to pass on this Jacksonville Jaguars team. And we know that from his time at Seattle, Griffin only really tends to stick to the right-hand side as you look at it from the quarterback. So with that that being said, Henderson and and Farley can rotate, whether it be slot or each one on the other side. And I just think these three guys are going to make quarterbacks nightmare days for days and days and days just because I absolutely love this pick. Oh, yeah. If it was to happen, it, this is not a defense that you want to put your quarterback up against uh, no. in fantasy on a weekly basis. Because, and like you say, they 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 are one of the highest of playing three cornerbacks on the field at one time, and their third is a rotation of um, Sidney Jones, Trey Herndon, and and a couple of other guys. So, it, yeah, just having these. <clears throat> if this was to happen, and having these three on the field and a fully fit Caleb Farley alongside Henderson and Griffin. Yeah, no, no, I would not. I would not be starting a quarterback against them. It's lights out, hundred percent. I mean, it it it, it propels them as to one of the top um, DSTs. Not overall, but uh, uh, yeah, um, if you're coming up against a poorer quarterback, it's one of those um, plug and play DSTs that you can potentially pick up or, or, or play if it was to happen. So yeah, yeah. I, I do like it, and I but I agree it is a luxury pick and. There is potentially other areas that they could have gone to uh, to improve, but I mean to have three first round picks in a in a in a draft class like this, you'd be laughing as the Jags, which is I think why we we both sort of grew to like that Lawrence trade more and more as we discussed it. Absolutely. But on to pick twenty six, the Browns haven't moved anywhere; they've stuck with it, um, and they have picked up linebacker Zaven Collins from Tulsa. And when I tried to pick a linebacker for Browns a few mock drafts ago with me and Tom. I was given, I was not liked on Twitter. <laughs> so it's nice to see that the, uh, the, the system is, is along the same sort of lines. And I think despite the fact that Brown's picked up Anthony Walker in free agency, you can't ignore the fact that they do still have a need at linebacker. And to be able to pick up a guy like Zayvon Collins, I think would do absolute wonders. He is a do-it-all linebacker. He's got all the tools for all levels at linebacker. He he can blitz the passer. He does. He drops into coverage well. He can work the space across the across the field, left to right, up and down, uh, as well as anybody. Um, and in particular in this draft class, um, and he has a good eye for the ball. Um, whether that is in the hands of the quarterback still. Um, reading where it's going to go to the receiver or if the running back's coming towards him he knows where the ball is you can see it in his play he he just seems to he, he he can just read instantly where the ball's going to be and get to that area especially in the run game go if you watch his tape you can just see he's already reading what the play is going to be which i think is an amazing thing to see from a middle linebacker now he isn't the quickest but he's got that iq like we spoke about before um that makes up for that necessarily not having that top level speed. Um, and he can anticipate the play and get into the right area. And as I say, I think he'll prove an instant upgrade to the Browns in the middle. And then you've got him to worry about. And then of course you've got Miles Garrett to worry about. It just, it puts this, it puts this Browns defense up another level. 
And I, I really like the pick. I think if I was going to go, this, this is my pick for the Browns, despite the fact this was done by a, <laughs> by a computer. If I was dro- if I was mocking for the Browns, like I have done a couple of times, this would be the pick. This is probably the main one, especially in the second half that I go, yeah, hundred percent. That's what I'd have. Well, I, I can't argue with you because the machine did it. And if there is some rage <laughs> against the machine, Ash, it can't be put onto you here because you didn't make the pick. And exactly. Yeah. I, I don't hate it as an overall pick because I really like Zayvon Collins as a prospect. So with uh, we moved to 27 and with the Colts moving back from 21 with their trade with the Ravens, they select Ash's, well, one of Ash's absolute dudes in this in this draft class. You heard about it on Wednesday if you listen to their pod, which if you haven't, go and do. Edge, Jalen Phillips from Miami. And this is, Ash, this is a big gap between the two edge rushers from Miami. I mean, we're talking here... Gregory Rousseau went at 11 so 16 picks between the two edge rushers from Miami which is in uh, in your estimations way further than it should be but mm. before before I let you wax lyrical about Phillips the Colts did move back and as I said the Hurricanes had two prolific pass rushers in Phillips and Rousseau Rousseau held out of 2020 he opted out and Phillips was superb in his absence. Uh, am I right in thinking that they're teammates, but one of them transferred, so they never actually played together? Yeah, they didn't play. Phillips joined um, Miami this year, uh, the, the year just gone from UCLA, so they never were all actually on the field together uh, because obviously Rousseau opted out. That that would have been scary. Mm, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was um, it was Quincy Roach and, and Phillips, and that's, that's scary enough, but if you'd had Rousseau and Phillips there, yeah, Miami would be devastating to come up against yeah that gold chain on the sideline would have been rocking about um so yeah he had eight sacks last year uh russo had we, we talked 15 and a half which i was well under when i guessed which was ridiculous in itself but uh, ash he gets to play the texans twice a year so that immediately is an absolute bonus when when playing for the colts right and then obviously you've got a lot more to say about this guy than i do yeah, definitely. I think the only the only criticism that you can really have on Phillips at the moment is his health. He's had a few injury issues in the past, but I feel like half of this draft class has got injury issues that are, that are first round considerations. Phillips is on the smaller side for an edge rusher, which again we've spoken about with Vigilari, but he makes up for it with everything else. His fundamentals in the edge rush is, as a whole are next to. They're, they're as good as they can be he's still a relatively raw prospect as you say mm. he was never a full-time starter at UCLA 2020 was his first big I am the man year which yes is in part because Rousseau was was not there but you still have Roach there who 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 did a very good job when Rousseau was next to him as well but Phillips made that position his own this year he's unbelievably athletic probably one of the top he's, he's probably one of the most athletic r- edge rushers in this draft class he as i say he's got all of the pass rushing skills and tools that you want um with with more to add to his game he's as i say he's raw he can still learn more um as long as he gets through as long as he's fit and he can stay fit this is a bargain in my opinion mm. uh, i think i i it's difficult. I, I flip between Rousseau and Phillips on a regular basis. Tom is, is much more set on Rousseau than me, and that is one of the reasons why he's higher in our in our top 100. Um, but it is closer for me here. But when you look at the teams between the two, I, I think Rousseau has gone a bit high, in my opinion. 
But I think with the team needs, and you can see it more when we're going to be going through these next few picks, I think the need edge is not as severe as as it, as it is down below here. I think Rousseau is, is taken so high, but I don't think the gap really justifies that. I'd have him. Would I? No, I won't. No, I'm not. I'm not no, no, no. But yeah, I, I, I like Phillips a lot and I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where he sits. Um, and again, he's another guy because he's on the lighter side. If he can add a bit more weight to his game while keeping that athleticism and, and the skill set that he's got, which I wait, he won't lose that. But if he can keep that athleticism, add some muscle to him, he's going to be a devastating rusher. And like you say, he gets to play, he gets to play the Texans twice. Which who knows what that could be right now. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. when, when obviously we made these picks, I wanted to have a little bit of knowledge on the defensive side, because I haven't really watched anything yet because of how invested I've been with the offensive side of the ball and the playbook. But I, when I stuck his highlights on, you're right. He, he's got athleticism. He is a little small, but what I noticed was he's so fast. Yeah. His, his explosive first step and when he gets into you know hands on pads and stuff they're fast hands he doesn't get held up in a hand fight but it's yeah. not as if they're just quick and he gets when he when he goes to make contact it stops he's got the power with those fast hands so i think you're right once he if he can add weight to that athleticism but in a good strong functional manner he's going to be an absolute beast at the next level no 100% 100% and we are on to pick 28, which is the New Orleans Saints. And they have upgraded their wide receiver core with Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Mm. And I like this pick. I'm a fan of Tony. Um, and we've spoken about it a few times on, on, the, on, the, on the podcast, me and Tom. Um, and I think this is, for the wide receivers left, I mean, I, I would take him before Bateman, but but with the right receivers left anyway, this is the next guy up for me. And I think he offers such versatility. He can play any of the wide receiver positions. And really, outside of Thomas and a Tracon Smith, who's never really he's never really come to much, has mm-hmm. he? He was a lot of hype around him. He had a good rookie it wasn't even a breakout. He had a couple of good rookie games, but he's never really been really been able to take that next step. For me, Tony walks into this this offense as the the second guy that can play across all three all three wide receivers, slot and and both outside. Um, he's got he tracks the ball very well, very well in the air. He makes exciting plays. Um, he times his jump very well, and he gets the ball at the highest point more often than not. And he makes defenders miss. What he doesn't do is his contested catches and his battles with receiver with defenders that's where he falls down because he's on the smaller side and that's a big concern for a lot of people but he's actually measured up very similar to um rondell moore who um at, at one point uh, i think was it was it rondell moore rich is a lot higher on um, two two at will yeah, there's the yeah i think it might be but anyway i think his main concern was tony's size but he actually measures up very similar to, to, to a lot of these wide receivers. But for me, if you go and watch his tape, especially his 2020 tape, he makes some ridiculous plays. And then, as I say, he's got that top speed that he can make people miss, whether he's got the ball or not. He's going to make people miss on a route or he's going to make people miss when he's got the ball. Um, and as I say, for me, he steps in instantly as the wide receiver two behind Thomas. Um, depending on who's passing him the ball, 
I would say you're looking at a, a free flex instantly in fantasy who can potentially develop into a solid wide receiver too. So whilst you were talking, Ash, I was listening, but I went and grabbed my Kadarius Tony read from the book just to see what I'd, because like I said, it had been so long since I did wide receivers. I wanted to go back and said, see what I'd written. Um, and what I really, really like about him is the fact that he was a track star, which means he's athletic. Yeah. But not only that, when he joined Florida, he was used as a running back. And that gives... We see it with other receivers in this class that when you've been used as a running back, it means that you are shiftier, you are not afraid to take a hit, and you are good with the ball in your hands, creating space, which not all wide receivers are, but as a running back, you get those extra traits given to you. And I think Tony, I really like it in the fact that he really, really has a way when it comes to exploiting gaps in coverage. So he can sort of draw a safety in because of his athleticism, sorry. And, and it's almost sometimes a decoy play where he can, he can bust off a short route that he perhaps sells as a long one and then uses that athleticism in the catch. But also, if he is a bit of a problem, he can draw in double coverage or move a safety off of where he's supposed to be to create room for someone else. And when you think you put him opposite Michael Thomas, who is one of the best guys in the league at exploiting space, if you've got Tony and Thomas making space for each other on those shorter routes, um, yeah, love it. Yeah, exactly. And and as well, outside of fantasy, wherever he lands, he is an instant upgrade to pretty much every team's return return team because mm-hmm. he's unbelievable in the return game and I think he will be pretty much any team's returner wherever he lands in the NFL obviously there are a few very very good return guys that he probably won't take over from but but for me he's probably the best one of the best returners in this draft class as well which will give him an instant tie it will get to see the pitch in every game because of that mm-hmm. absolutely so that was 28 on to 29 and I'm a massive fan of this pick 29, the Minnesota Vikings, after trading back with the Panthers, select Jason Owe, Edge from Penn State. Now, with Emerson Griffin gone and Daniel Hunter injured last year, the Vikings had a serious need at pass rush. Daniel Hunter is apparently on track to be back and fit, ready for training camp. So they need to add to that. And Jason Owe, opposite Daniel Hunter, is an absolute dream pick for me. Owe's pro day was pretty prolific if you go back and have a little look at that and whilst he didn't record a sack in 2020 he was a huge disruptor of the football so he made some big tackles in stopping the run pressures on the quarterback and teams are going to have to account for Daniel Hunter again so this means that Owe will step in as a rookie opposite Hunter and be able to sort of imitate Emerson Griffin and Griffin was good and Hunter and Griffin were good together so this is a pick that I absolutely love for the Vikings at 29. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm a, I, I like OA's potential in particular, and Mark, who works with us at uh, Five Yard College, loves OA, um, and and I agree with you. I think it, he's another one of these edges. It's a running theme of these edges and these first round edges in particular that he, he lacks the overall body mass that you want from a rusher, but he's explosive. He's very, very athletic. Probably more athletic than Phillips. Um, and he offers incredible upside whilst already possessing sufficient 
tools to start straight away as a rusher. So someone that can already start with the potential to get so much better. I think wherever he lands, someone's going to get a real uh, incredible piece here if he can fulfill that potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I think Vikings, it's a, it's, a, it's a great match, like you say, with Griffin gone and and hopefully Hunter back this year. Having him on the other side just just going to cause so many issues for for um for for quarterbacks and 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 running backs and anybody on the offense actually. <laughs> <laughs> Ash, you're at thirty. We got three picks left, and it's time for the oh. Buffalo Bills to make their selection. Yes, the Buffalo Bills have gone with the defensive side of the ball. They have gone for Efatu Melafonwu, cornerback from Syracuse. Um, I like him. <laughs> I like him. Um, and I, I think it, he's, de- he's a second rounder. I'm surprised to see him in the first round, but it's not the first time that I've seen him in the first round. So I'm not a hundred percent surprised. And I think it's one of the bills bigger needs. I think they're one of the teams that are, that, that have got the ability to, to pick what they want really. Um, they're, they're, roster as a whole is is actually quite impressive when you look at it on paper and they showed that last year um but for me outside of Tredavious White they've not really got a great second cornerback and the fact they've got Tredavious right right White there will give Menafonwu that time to develop coming up against the the wide receivers twos and threes where White's going to be taking the ones and it's probably their biggest need Melifonwu is very physical um, and he's got a lot of upside. I think he, he can stick with his his assignments well um, and he's very aggressive when it comes to attacking the ball in the air in particular. Um, and he's got the size that allows him to wrap up in the tackle and take someone down rather than what you tend to see from smaller cornerbacks. They'll hit them and try and obviously and, and get them down that way, which is well, then where they can make people miss. Melafonwu will will go to wrap up in the tackle. Um, again, another area, uh, the area that I think needs most improvement for him is that he can be too focused on what the quarterback is doing at times, which then means he is in almost sort of no man land. Um, and and a, and a wide receiver might get that step off of him, which you'll find more often than not at the NFL than he would have done at college. So that's somewhere where I think he'll need to to look to improve quite quickly because the wide receivers at the next level are going to be a lot smarter when it comes to their 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 route running. And if he's focused too much on the quarterback, they, they're going to leave him dead and buried. Um, but for me, walking into Buffalo as the cornerback two will give him time to develop his game come up against those lesser I say lesser that's that's harsh come up against he won't come up against the the premier wide mm-hmm. receivers um and it will allow him to develop his game and it will round out this defense even more because like I say when you look at this defense they've got solid players in every single position they've got Edmonds at, at linebacker Milano Oliver on the line Butler on the line Hyde in, in um safety it's a great defense. If they can add someone like Melafonwu as their second cornerback, no one's going to want to come up against this team. And they're in, and they're in the uh, AFC North. So, yeah. sorry, AFC East, where they're going to yeah, be coming East. up against a, a rookie cornerback, a rookie wide receiver. Oh my god, a, <laughs> a rookie quarterback with the Jets. <laughs> Uh, a Cam Newton or potentially a Ricky quarterback with the Patriots and, and Tua with the Dolphins, who's obviously still left a bit to be desired. So that's six games where he's going to be coming up against sub 
subpar offenses potentially. That that uh, and I think Buffalo overall are going to be a sneaky good DST that I'll be keeping my eyes on definitely. Mm. I think you hit the nail on the head with Tredavious White being being the guy there, and and we see it week in week out. Tredavious White tends to shadow the number one, plays man coverage pretty much exclusively on on the unless you get a team without an absolute alpha. But that Melifon with like you mentioned, if he is sort of suspect to watching the quarterback a little bit more, you can not get away with that more in zone, but at least in man, you haven't lost your man. And in zone, you, you tend to have a little bit more room to make that error. So if mm. White is tracking the alpha and Melifon, who's playing zone as opposed to man, that that adds to his uh, ability to get better at uh, sticking with his man almost. Which, yeah, definitely. Which is a huge bonus. Um, and then it's... It, it's me. I get to make the my last pick, and I got the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is a massive shock for me, Ash, that this guy fell so far. I don't know about yeah. you, but the, with the thirty-first picks, the almost uh, Arizona Chiefs there. That is terrible. The <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs select Quitty Pay Edge from Michigan. Now, pretty much everywhere you look, Ash Quitty Pay is the number one edge, right? Yep. He's mine as well. So the fact that he fell to 31 <laughs> and to the Chiefs is just an absolute bonus. Um, yeah. This, the, the, the Chiefs pretty much, the whole off-season thing here has been about their offensive line, but in pretty much the most Andy Reid style, he's gone and baffled us again and gone and grabbed an edge. Ash and I, as you know, didn't make these picks. So, hey, who are we to argue with Andy Reid? I... Maybe there wasn't value at guard or tackle here and he just thought Quitty Pay is too good to pass at 31. I don't know. I don't know. But- yes, it's interesting. You've still got Tevin Jenkins there, Ray Dunes. All right, all right. I was just trying to stick up for Andy <laughs> Reid. No, I mean, we, we've seen Chris Jones. He's more of an interior rusher and then Frank Clark operates as an edge, but he's not getting any younger. So Quitty Pay slides in here opposite Frank Clark and alongside Jones gives him an absolute nightmare front three here or four, depending on how they want to play. Offensive lines will struggle with these three as a unit. And I mean, if you can free up Chris Jones to do any more damage, by all means, I'm all about it. So yeah, if you can get hold of Jones in IDP, and then quitty pay at this point. I know he's not really there, but I think he would be a great move in IDP. Oh yeah, um, that definitely. I think this you've got to take him if he's on the board. Um, at this point, that, <laughs> as I say, he he should be long gone in my opinion. He's he's probably he's the because he's the most well-rounded edge coming into the NFL. I think the rest of these guys that we've spoken about will potentially have a better career than than pay because of the upside they possess but but pay is the most ready to step onto a field day one with the least concern around him and he's a leader as well which is you love to see that he's a, he was a leader at michigan in on on and off the field um but yeah i can't believe he's gone this low and as i say i i, I don't hate it from the chiefs i think it's a great pick but i would still go line but like you say, having him alongside Jones and um, Clark is frightening. Mm. Again, it's another defense, if this was to happen, that you wouldn't want to come up against. And Chargers, if they don't improve their offensive line outside of obviously Lindsay coming in at center, Herbert's going to be exposed once again. Who knows what we're going to see from the Raiders line in 2021. <laughs> um, 
who knows is going to be throwing the ball for the Broncos. I mean, you're going to want to play the Chiefs when they're playing in a, in a divisional matchup. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there's six games <laughs> right off the bat there. The DST is going to be handy, but I, I know. Ash, we've yeah. got we've got one more pick, and as luck would have it, I suppose the Steelers traded down enabled you to have the last pick in the draft. We, yes, we we talked about this. You're not entirely sure on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I love the I love what they've done, and I would personally do this myself because I think if we can get more top three round picks in this draft class to round out our roster, I'd be very happy with moving away from twenty four. But with the 32nd pick, the Steelers have selected Wyatt Davis, offensive guard from Ohio State. And I love Davis. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm a Steelers fan. I understand that DeCastro is not getting any younger. He is 31. And the offensive line is our is probably our biggest need in this draft. But it's center and tackle, not guard. And I think you can ask Davis to do a job at guard, at center, at, at a stretch, but he's not a center. Um, but he would come in as a starter um he would take i can't even remember who our other guard is um is it dotson no it's your tackle i'm getting confused with my offensive <laughs> lineman uh sorry no i'm right yeah dotson is it does dotson is our other guard and i think he would he would compete straight away with him um and and potentially take take him out of the equation in straight away and what i do love about davis is again he's a leader he was a leader at ohio state um in his time there he's a very smart player you watch him he 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 knows he knows what he's he needs to do every every snap he's got great hands he's he's got very good size for the position um and he will upgrade the line and to keep big ben upright but just for me um i wouldn't go guard but he's very good in the run game and we are very very bad in the run game so that will help if we get a running back but yeah, I just uh, I love the move down. I probably wouldn't have gone guard. It, it worked out perfectly that it was the Steelers taking an Ohio State player. If yeah. if this was you and you didn't go guard, where would you go? I it it would either be tackle, um, probably Tevin Jenkins or Dylan Radunes, or I would go Javante Williams running back because I think running back is is actually quite a glaring need for us. I think you've seen from last year and the year before that Connor can't stay fit. And when he was on the field this year, he wasn't very impressive. But at the same time, our overall run game wasn't impressive. So I think you would want to incre- upgrade that line before you go to the running back. So I, I don't know. It's difficult. I changed my mind. I've done a lot of mock drafts in this off season, and every time it's floated between a tackle. I've taken a centre a couple of times, but I'm not overly happy with the centres in the first round this year, um, and running back, and also edge as well, and linebacker. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> Steelers, what, what I've gleaned from that Ashes, Steelers have got lots of needs. We've got lots, lots of needs, needs but uh, I'm. Yeah, I, I am. I'm. I'm not overly concerned. I think there's areas that need big improvement, in particular on the line and our running back. And then there's areas that we could look to improve, i.e., replacing Bud Dupree, bringing in a middle linebacker to help Bush, and a, and a cornerback or two. 
Yeah, it's a a fair breakdown of of Steelers hour there, Rush Nation. Um, Ash, I've gleaned from your podcast on Wednesday and the last two we've done together that athleticism is almost the replacement for size at the moment in this draft, purely because what we're seeing is smaller athletic players going farther into the draft process. So first round talents now seem to be more athletic than size based, perhaps. And also Mm. that speed and injury aren't really a concern anymore because we've seen college take pro day speeds are all up and then injuries we've talked about it wide receivers tackles everybody in this draft not just in the first round but moving through it almost has an injury concern and I wonder if there's some sort of trade-off here with the more and more athletic we get as football players there is more likely to be injuries because we are I say we are, I'm not a football player. You know, I don't claim to be at all and never have been. I, the football players we're seeing in not just the NFL, but in, you know, the Premier League and in just in sport in general, everybody is becoming more and more finely tuned and athletic because of sports science and stuff like that. That players are going to be injured more because of how finely tuned they are. We saw it in the off-season last year with leg injuries because of the lack of practice and stuff. And I think it is not part and parcel now of being a pro athlete, but it's definitely going to be more prevalent, I think, because of how athletic people are. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, uh, and it's the same sort of injuries we see, in particular with with American football. It's 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 um, the ACL, lower lower leg, lower body injuries that you see more often than not because they are pushing themselves so hard. Um, and... yes it is concerning when it becomes a regular theme but I think for me talent wins out nine times out of ten you will get those guys that unfortunately will never be able to fully fulfill their their talent because of just how injuries how how many injuries they sustain but I think a lot of these guys will overcome that and 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 there's going to be some absolute bargains Mm -hmm. not just in the first round second third fourth there's some guys I'm looking at who are who are fifth, sixth, seventh rounders who I am incredibly excited for, or depending where they land, um, that that have had injury concerns. Andre Cisco from uh, safety from Syracuse was a locked in first round pick at one point before he got a devastating injury and missed a year and a half of football. But there is no denying the unbelievable talent he has. If he can fulfil that talent and stay fit he's going to be unbelievable value. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And it's the same with a lot of these guys. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think if we continue to see the trend of injuries in the preseason and stuff, even with training camp, I think it's going to be something we have to factor into not only fantasy football, but just general football going forward and how we view players and, and stuff like that. Cause it could turn into something a little more serious. Yeah, definitely. And I think just another note of this draft class on a completely different tangent, but that this is one of the more open first rounds that than I've seen in a very long time. Uh, no matter where you look, you could have five, six, seven, eight different guys to an, to another in mm. a mock draft or that's being spoken about by an expert or an analyst, an analyst. And I would be very surprised if we don't see two or three su- shocks to the to the system for us on draft night um because this is one of the best draft classes we've seen just in overall talent in 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 a long while there's so many guys there's not the 
there's not the Chase Young, the apart from obviously like the Trevor Lawrence, but there's not the two or three. These are unbelievable generational talents, but there's so many guys that have got unbelievable upside that can potentially take over the position at mm. the next level. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I can't wait until draft night to see where some of these guys land and, and where, how they develop is going to be very exciting. Can't I wait. just, um, I just dragged up uh, the draft networks gradings just to see if there was any names that we might've missed. And uh, I've just noticed that Jalen Waddle is now the third overall player. Yeah, he's been there for a few weeks for him. They've also got Baron Browning as the third linebacker. Um, I, I love Baron Browning. I've seen a lot of him as an Ohio State fan. Um, but that's a, that's a bit high for me. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the second round. Um, but yeah, they've got Waddle as their third overall. Um, I was looking as well to see if any of um, if anyone wasn't picked in ours that, that surprised me. And to be honest, there's there's not really... I mean... Did Matt Jones get taken? No. No. But why Matt would Jones he? Jones didn't get taken. Yeah, exactly. He's not a first round talent. Come no, on. No, he's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of Matt Jones, the the only other people I we, I've already mentioned, Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, obviously Travis Etienne, you could also put in there. Not for me, he's the third best running back, but he's been in conversation. Um but yeah, Fryermouth. Fryermouth, you, you could mention yeah. him if it- Tight end yeah. team feels like they want to take him at the back end of the first. Any of the three centers, that I mean, Dickerson and um, Humphrey in particular, they they they're depending on how desperate someone is for a center. Javante Williams has been spoken about. I mean, yeah, there's there's like I say, this this is exactly what my point is. Yeah. There's about forty to fifty players that can easily be taken in the first round. And I think I think on the flip side of that, there's you look at names in the fourth, fifth round. There's going to be some guys who we just don't expect anything of right now who are going to explode onto the scene. I yeah. mean, it, it only takes a few big plays on special teams or something like that, and these guys manage to get onto us roster and and make a name for themselves. So I think along those lines as well, it's going to be pretty exciting. But I think when people were talking about the twenty one twenty one draft class last year, when we were talking about drafts and they were like well this year is not great the 2021 class is much much better and I've seen a few people say well this class isn't great the 2022 class is going to be better and for me the 2021 class is absolutely fantastic and it isn't until you really dive into it like we've been doing that you realize this is going to be such a good couple of days that the draft is going to provide us but I mean yeah, we, we we could wax we could talk about this all evening. Actually, I mean, it wouldn't. I don't know whether Rush Nation would like it or not, but I mean, we we should probably bounce out of here because that's the draft completed. If uh, Ashman appreciate you coming back, this has been great. And I will tell you what, we'll do if uh, if Murph's down with it or he wants to join us. Would we'll, when this is actually locked in and real real life sitch, we'll go back and we'll do a pod or we'll do part three or however many it takes to really dive into each of these positions for fantasy whether it be an offensive guard or a defensive lineman or something, because everybody will have that individual sort of point for fantasy football. And I think, you know, it would be good if, if we could get you back and, or maybe with Tom, we'll, we'll sort something out to really dive into the draft after it's happened. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. I'll be, I'll be well up for that. I, I love talking about college football. <laughs> I mean, we've only been doing it. Well, just over, uh, Less than a year because yeah, my Facebook memory, my Tom joined the writing staff. His first article went out today a year ago. So, oh, there you I, go. yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but it's been so much fun. 
I've, I've I've loved every minute, and I can't wait for the draft. And then I'm I'm more excited for the for the new college season, to be honest with you, because there's some unbelievable players in there that I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing as well. So, but well, yeah, well up, well up for coming back. Always, always want to come back. Good stuff. If you haven't listened to Ash and Tom over at Five Yard College, they're in anywhere you get your podcast. Go check them out. They do have a Twitter. It's at Five Yard College. You can follow Ash at Addicted to Underscore FF on Twitter. I got it right. Nailed it. And Rush Nation, that's going to do it for this week. Ash, appreciate you coming back. Murph and I will be back in your ears Monday with a special guest. But until then, Rush Nation, enjoy your weekend. And as always, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.